Am I on? I'm green. There we go. All right. Um, children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Drew, good job. Appreciate that. Uh, and um, <clears throat> it's one of those songs that when he was practicing, Mama, we had to tell him, breathe, breathe, breathe. Because he was, you know, it's one of those songs that you belt out. And uh, if you don't, you don't breathe, you might pass out. And so uh, we didn't want him to pass out. And uh, good job. Good job this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter number nine, Matthew chapter number nine this morning, and um, we're talking about <clears throat> last week, talking about getting a vision and, 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 uh, and having a vision uh, uh, for the new year, and um, <clears throat> the book of Philippians, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and so... Uh, we need to have a vision, but we need to have the right kind of vision. Uh, we need to have a, a, a vision that, uh, uh, that is centered and surrounded by Christ and His Word. And in Matthew chapter number 9, look at these few verses with me this morning, beginning in verse number 35. Matthew chapter 9, in verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then, uh, then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Look again with me in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion. Jesus came. We understand that. We just celebrated Christmas. Christmas time is a time that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And He came and He came uh, through the Virgin Mary and um, lived a perfect, sinless life. He was uh, one who knew no sin. So we, we're the sinners. He knew no sin. Why um, did we need one? that knew no sin, because we needed a sacrifice without blemish. So the scripture says, and Moses couldn't do it, and uh, uh, David couldn't do it, and Abraham couldn't do it, and Peter couldn't do it, and, and Luke couldn't do it, and Paul couldn't do it. All these great men of God, none of them could die in your place. Why? Because they weren't sinless. Because they weren't without blemish. They all had blemish. Because the Bible says, and the Bible states in multiple places, but in Romans chapter 3, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in verse 10, that there are none righteous, no, not even one. Not one person is righteous. We're all sinners. We're all flawed. And we're all lost and undone without Jesus Christ. So without Christ... Here's a word that we used when we were casting the vision for 2022. Without Christ, there is no hope. Amen. There's no hope. 
You see, the importance of the cross, the importance of what Jesus did, the importance of Him being sinless, the importance of Him being God, can never be overstated. We need to understand that without that, without what Jesus accomplished, without what Jesus did, you see, He shed His blood on Calvary. He died upon the cross, was buried, and rose again. The book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. This is what the... This is what the Scripture is telling us, uh, the importance of of what Jesus Christ did. And so if we see and understand the importance of uh, of Jesus Christ and what He did, you need to understand there's a whole heap that we don't know. Right? The Scripture says, the Scripture tells us there are things that that were never written down because if they were, the world wouldn't be big enough to hold the books. I mean... All that now, so now everything's written down. So the whole childhood of Jesus, we know we know very little about, right? But there was a span of about three and a half years. We call it the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. It's when he walked this earth, it's when he chose his disciples, it's when he performed his miracles, it's when he preached his messages, it's when he invested in his disciples we look at those three and a half years and we realize that Jesus had a vision we know that Jesus had a vision now when I'm using the word vision I'm not talking about a vision where you see something in the sky or you see something in a dream I'm talking about a vision a goal something that you know needs to be accomplished Jesus understood what his goal was in this earth. He understood because he voluntarily came and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus knew what his job was. He knew what his goals were. And everything Jesus did, now watch this, pointed to his goal pointed to his purpose. This is my purpose. So everything he did, so as you look at the life of Jesus, you can realize one thing. He was a purpose-driven Jesus. And let me tell you, did he perform miracles? Yes. I mean, the deaf could hear and the blind could see and the lame could walk and and the the dumb could speak and the dead lived again and he I mean he performed miracles there's no doubt about it can you can you can you picture with me I'm the I'm a picture guy I love to uh, I love to I love to picture things when I'm reading the Bible and, and can you can you picture with me as he stands on the bow of the boat and he and he tells the wind knock it off Peace be still. And that was my version. Peace be still, he says. And glass, folks, glass. The wind stopped. Do you know why all that happened? Because nature had no choice but to listen to him. He's God. He tells the birds to chirp, they chirp. He tells the eagle to fly, it flies. He tells the wind to stop blowing, it stops blowing. Can you, can you imagine being there? You know what the Bible says about the disciples? They were astonished. Wow! Look what Jesus just did. I, 
Isn't it crazy? Every time he performed a miracle, they were wild. He, I, I don't know. If I, I guess if I was Jesus, you ever, you ever, you ever put yourself in a situation? You're, you're glad I'm not Jesus. I'm glad you're not Jesus. Okay, let's get that out of the way. But can you imagine if we, if, if you're Jesus, turn around and go, listen, folks, guys, I've been trying to tell you who I am. You're not listening. Does it frustrate you when people don't listen? Oh, it frustrates me. I mean, absolutely. Especially when you're speaking to the person and you're speaking to them eyeball to eyeball and their eyeballs are like one goes this way and one goes that way and they're paying attention to nothing you're saying. You ever do that with your kids? Are you listening? I'm listening. No, you're not. Pay attention. That's I, I feel like sometimes that's what Jesus would say. Are, are you paying attention? I've told you who I am. And he continues to tell him who he is. Matter of fact, you remember in the book of John where he says it's expedient for you that I go away. What? So the disciples are thinking, go. Expedient means good for you. What do you mean it's good that you're going away? What in the world are you thinking going away? Listen, he's been telling them and telling them and telling them, here's my purpose. Here's my vision. You know what we need? Let me tell you something, church. We need a glimpse of, what, of, of Jesus' vision. We need a glimpse of Jesus' purpose. If we can just touch the hem of the garment of His purpose, we'll be a great church. We'll be a great people. We'll be the Christians God called us to be. Do you know... Um, it saddens me in our world today. There's a lot of things that sadden me in our world today. But I'm here, I'm here to tell you, <clears throat> it saddens me in, my world, in our world today on how the word Christian is thrown around. Yeah, I'm a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? You ever ask somebody that? You ever ask somebody if they were saved? They say, yeah, I'm saved. Do you ever ask them what does it mean to be saved? I'm going to tell you something. You'll get some answers that you never thought people thought. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, I'm here to tell you, we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. Because God tells us in His Word, our problem, what is our problem? One of our problems, one of our major problems, and I'm not talking about in the world, folks. I'm talking about in our churches today. I'm talking about amongst quote-unquote Christian people. We don't know this book. And because we don't know this book, we're clueless. We're clueless on how to live. We're clueless on how to walk. Do you know, here's, here's a, tall, a telltale sign that somebody doesn't know what their Bible says. Well, that's for you. That's not for me. That, that's like, like if you turn the page, it says something different. Or if you go to another book, it says something different. Listen, if you find a contradiction to the Word of God, you're the contradiction, not the Word of God. There are no contradictions in the Word of God. God's Word is perfect. God's Word is pure. God's Word is right. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways there are over the ways of death. But God's ways, they are perfect. This book is already settled. 
So the Bible says it's already settled in heaven. And so we can trust the Word of God. We can trust the Bible. I've read some books that have been off. Anybody reader in here? I mean, I've read some books where I thought to myself, yeah, that's probably not right. Or sometimes it's just absolutely. I mean, there's one writer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. There's one. There's very few times I do this. There's one writer that if I find his book and I find it cheap enough, I buy it and throw it in the trash. I mean, I, there's some people that are off and then there's some people that are heretics. And, and sometimes there are people that are off and they got these few things off and there's some people that, that are heretics and nobody follows and then there's some people that are heretics and everybody loves them. You know why everybody loves them? Because they have a winsome personality. They got a great big smile. He's not the one I throw away, but he's, he's something too. But anyways. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm here to tell you, people don't understand what God's Word says. And because they don't understand what God's Word says, they fall for everything that comes along. Because if some preacher behind some pulpit or some theologian that wrote some book said it, then they're smarter than me, so it must be so. But I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, you better check up. When you, go, when you go to the doctor and something is majorly wrong, I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, and, 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 and something's majorly wrong, what do you often get? A second opinion. Right? I mean... Does one person know everything? No. I mean, I want to I want to make sure that there isn't another way or another opportunity or another And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to get in a second opinion when it comes to the word of God. Amen. But when some guy says something and something's not quite right, you better investigate it. Isn't that what the Bereans did? They searched the scriptures daily to see if what that guy was saying was so. You ain't going to offend me. I'm going to tell you right now, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. Because I want you to understand something, and we all should be this way. If I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. I'm not interested in getting up in the pulpit and preaching falsehoods. And being wrong all the time. I'm not talking about opinions. I'm not talking about conjecture. I'm talking about The revealed Word of God. And what God's Word says goes. And so we saw last uh, uh, last week, we, we need to see what Jesus saw. We need to see what Jesus saw. And we need to see the problem. We saw the multitudes, the Scripture says. He was moved with compassion. What is the problem? The problem, we talked about it last week. The problem is sin. The problem is sorrow. The problem is separation. Listen to me. Without Jesus Christ, you are separated from God. Your good works, your baptism, your church membership, your confirmation... I don't care what it is, you can add whatever you want into there. None of those things get you, can get you to God. You see, the Scripture tells us very plainly, doesn't it? In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a way, He is the way. 
Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible says this, there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. One. Do you know what one means? I looked it up in the Greek. It means one. Doesn't mean multitudes. It doesn't mean many. Doesn't mean two. It means one. One way, Jesus is the way. So listen to me. This is closed-minded, but we ought to be closed-minded when the Bible's closed-minded. There's the Jesus way, and then there's the wrong way. I want you to know, really, so many people are confused when it comes to salvation. But really, there's only two ways of salvation. Two. There's salvation, the Scripture tells us, by grace through faith. So if you're saved this morning, it's because the Holy Spirit convicted your heart and you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're saved, that's how you got saved. The other way of salvation is the false way, and that is by works. So you can take every other way, whether it's baptism or good works or whatever you want to call it, and really, it can all be lumped into one sum, and that is good works. But good works never got anybody to heaven. Faith and faith alone. And so we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we see the problem. What's the problem in our world today? The problem is sin. You can blame it on whatever you want to. Listen, we can blame governments, we can blame education, we can blame the world, we can blame the devil, we can blame whoever we want to, but in the end, listen to me, judgment begins in the house of God. That's where judgment begins. Do you, do you understand, do you understand when, it comes to, when it comes to revival? Revival doesn't start in the world. Revival starts in the church. Now, now, I want you to understand this as well. Revival doesn't start with somebody getting saved. Revival starts with the church being revived. And then people are saved. Now, that's part of it. No misunderstand me. And people are discipled and all those things happen. But what does it start with? It starts with the people of God getting a vision. I mean, the people of God being revived. And saying, listen to me, I need to see what Jesus saw. And we see sin, we see sorrow, we see separation. But the second thing I want you to see this morning is not only do we need to see the problem, but we need to see the people. We need to see the people. We're so busy today that we don't even see people anymore. I mean, we see them physically, but we don't see them spiritually. I mean... Things have changed in our world, and I understand that. But I'm going to tell you something. You know what we don't do anymore? We don't take time for people. Because we're in such a hurry. I mean, me included. Last night, we got done with what we were doing, and we went to Zaxby's. Anybody been to Zaxby's yet? The new Zaxby's? I went through the drive-thru because... It's not open. The place is not open yet. Only the drive-thru. Okay. Now, understand, Zaxby's is not McDonald's. Okay? 
So it takes a little bit longer. But oh my goodness, I could have drove to Pooler, sat down and had a meal, and came back before I got my food at Zaxby's. I'm not kidding you. I was in line for 30 minutes. 30 minutes! I didn't even have a book with me. I could have read half a book in 30 minutes. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is taking so long? And Wendy's with me, and, and, and she's like, hey, it's kind of, you're, you're going to have a stroke. And I'm just, my face is getting red, and, and, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. You know why? Because we don't like the wait. Right? I mean, we want, we want everything, and we want it now. When we go somewhere, we go and we leave and we want to get from here to there and then there to here and we got to be done with it. You know what we don't do hardly anymore? We don't go on a trip and take the long way. I'm getting a little bit older now and we started taking back roads and meandering. You know what I used to do? If something was eight hours, I was doing it in seven. If I didn't do it in seven, I was upset. Upset. I wanted to get there, get what I had to get done, and get back. And now, let me tell you something. You know, through the years I've missed, I've missed scenic routes. I've missed gorgeous valleys and beautiful mountains. Because let me tell you something. We're so big. I'll go. You ask my wife. I'm terrible with directions. Terrible. Wendy is awesome with directions. Except... Her directions are, you turn at the second boulder, take a left, and then that great big oak tree on the right, I mean, just past that, there's a house that has a, that has a, 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 a purple door, and once you get past that purple door, you take a right onto that run. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't see a boulder, I didn't see an oak tree, and I didn't see a purple door. Have no, give me the street number. Or street name. Give me a, a number. Give me a highway. Where am I supposed to go? I, I, why? Because you know why? Because sometimes we go, go, go. We can go to the same place over and over again, and we didn't even see. We didn't see. You ever go somewhere driving and then go somewhere riding? Isn't it a different perspective? I'm al- I, almost, I almost always drive. I just, I just almost always drive. I, I'm a terrible passenger, and I just, I'm almost always driving. But every once in a while, I'll be a passenger, I'll be thinking to myself, did they just build that? Was that there last time we came? You know why? Because this is, this is, this is life, generally, for us. We go, 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 go. The only time we stop is when we're at home, right? And that's usually to get a quick bite and go to bed. So let me tell you something. What do we got to do as a people? What do we got to do as Christians? Intentionally. Did you hear me? Intentionally, we have to open our eyes. Intentionally, we have to see. Intentionally, we've got to know what's going on around us and in other people's lives. You go back to sin, sorrow, and separation. There are people in this world that are hurting. And we've got to be able to see what kind of eyes do we need to have? Think about this with me for just a second. He saw the multitudes, the scripture says, and he was moved with compassions. We need to have what? First of all, we need to have crying eyes. We need to have crying eyes. We've lost our compassion. We've lost our weeping. Some people are more emotional than others. I get it. 
Some people watch a Hallmark and cry. Didn't you just watch this movie? No, it's a different one. No, it isn't. It's the same movie. It's just different actors. Sometimes it's not even different actors. And what do you do? Some people will cry over a commercial. Hallmark commercial come on and, I mean, they're just, some people are very sensitive and they're very emotional when it comes to these things. I've been watching, I've been been watching, it's a great show and it has no bad language and I mean it's just, it's called, it's, it's in England, it's called The Repair Shop and they repair all these old things. You need to look it up, it's on Discovery Plus and uh, great show and uh, I'm usually not into that kind of stuff but I, I just, first of all, I love their accent so I could listen to it all the time. I love the accent over there and so I'm, I'm watching the show and, and this lady, uh, one of the ladies, she does leather and leather um, uh, saddles and stuff like that and she had this lady come in with a horse and discovered that under the horse, her husband, the lady's husband that brought the horse in, they redid the horse in the 80s, and she lifted off the old saddle, and under the saddle was his, he signed a name, his name. The lady, doing the work, broke down and cried. I mean, I'm not talking about the lady that brought it in, I'm talking about the lady, because her husband had died of cancer. And I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, they're just having an emotional moment on television. And listen, if my wife was watching it, she would, I would have had to take her to the hospital. I mean, she just, and I'm going, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, I mean, some of us are emotional and some of us are not. But I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about crying over a movie. Or I'm not talking about crying over something. I'm talking about having spiritual crying eyes. When you see this world as a Christian... You ought to weep. You ought to weep. Shortest verse in the Bible, in the book of John, what is it? If you've never memorized the Bible, start there. Jesus wept. But here's what we thought. We think, oh, Jesus was so emotional and he was so sad because Lazarus died. Listen, do you think for one second Jesus didn't know what he was about to do? What was he about to do? He was about to go to the grave. Right? He was about to tell Mary, roll the stone away, and he was about to call Lazarus from the tomb. Up from the grave he arose. I mean, he got up, came out, Jesus knew all that was going to happen. Why did he weep? You ever thought about that? Let me tell you why I believe he wept. I believe he wept because of the lack of the faith of the people. I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, for me, I feel like Jesus has been weeping ever since. As he sees our lack of faith. As he sees our lack of action. As he sees our lack of vision. Tell you something, church, we need to open up our eyes and we need to weep for this world. He saw the multitudes, and he saw the multitudes as sheep having no shepherd. They had no direction. They had no guidance in their life, and he wept. He had compassion on them. Let me tell you something, church. We need to not only have compassion, we need to be moved to compassion. Not just seeing it and discarding it, or seeing it and just doing nothing about it, but seeing it and doing something if we can. What an opportunity we have in this world. You realize that more than ever before? We have an opportunity to be, to be the church. 
We have an opportunity to be Christians. When everything's going well and everything's going good, we still need to be Christians, but understand something. When things fall apart, I think of people like, um, uh, like Luther, who when the plague hit, I'm talking about the plague, I'm talking about something that you were guaranteed to die if you got it. I'm not the plague. When they got that, that happened, and he went out and went and visited and just visited the sick people. It's absolutely unbelievable. And he, he saw people, he saw the need, and he was moved to do something about it. We need to have crying eyes. We need to have, number two, compassionate eyes. He was moved. We talked about that. Let me give you the last one. We need to have Christ eyes. We need to have Christ eyes. I learned this when I went to Bible college years ago. The eye affecteth the heart. When I went to Bible college, it was required for a male to serve for one year in the bus ministry. He had no choice. Two semesters. Every single male, didn't matter what your major was, you had to serve in the bus ministry. And I thought to myself, okay, I just got out of the Navy. I was 20-something years old. And I thought to myself, I do not want to mess with rugrats. I'm just telling you, that's my thought. I do not want to mess with these kids. And didn't have a choice. If I wanted to go to that college, I had... No choice, and I went on that first bus route. And I saw those kids in the deplorable conditions that they lived in. Coming onto the bus dirty and ratted and runny noses and hair not brushed. And sometimes they had lice. And I mean, just this is, this is the kind of kids that we picked up week in and week out. Me and the two bus captains that were on that route started bus route number 52. We went from 52 and started another bus, 52A, and then 52B, and then 52C. And we all split up as bus captains and just reached those areas. Because, you know, let me tell you something. When I saw those kids... Let me tell you, let me tell you a story. So we were in an area in Jacksonville. My mother-in-law was not real happy about the area that we were in in Jacksonville. It was basically the ghetto, predominantly black kids. And go into these areas, and uh, sometimes we'd visit at night and uh, whenever. Uh, that we could and visit these kids and we'd pick them up. And one year, literally one time, I picked up a little white boy. And he came on the bus. We started picking him up and came from the same area, same kind of family. But he was white. And I had all these kids. Well, I've been with them for a while now. And I had all these kids and they, and they would just poke fun at this kid. He was a little short, pudgy white kid. And uh, they'd poke fun at him and call him names. And one day, 
I was on the bus and I heard him and I, sh- and I was, we're, you know, we have, you have a bus driver and then I was the bus captain. And I said, that's it. That is enough. I said, what in the world is your problem? And I started lecturing them. And then I looked at these two kids that were predominantly doing it and I said, uh, and I called them by name and I said, what in the world are you thinking? I said, just because he's white, what do you think I am? And those two kids look at me like I was the dumbest person that ever walked the earth. And said these words, I'll never forget them. This has been so many years ago. He said, you ain't black, you ain't white, you're Brother Joe. <laughs> and I stood there in the aisle and I, and I turned around and walked back to the front of the bus and I thought to myself, wow, when you don't see They didn't see me as white. I didn't see these little kids as black. I mean, I just saw them as people, and they saw me as Brother Joe. Let me tell you something. We need to get eyes like that. See people that need. See people that are in need. And have Christ's eyes. Christ's eyes. Let me tell you what Christ's eyes do. Uh, they, they, They love they they land, they lift, they listen. I, I, I got all these things that I don't have time to give you this morning, but let me give you this. When it comes to the eyes of Christ, the eyes of Christ lead us to. You want to know what would solve a lot of problems in our world? Love. You know why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, if we truly love, I'm not talking about the love this world has. I'm talking about the love from the Scriptures. The love of the Word of God. The love of the Bible. The love of God. When we love like that, to love, if you do love, if you truly love, you, you can't but forgive. Do you understand that? If you love, it will lead us to forgiveness. I tell you, we love to hold grudges. I preach. A, I could preach a whole message on this, but I'm telling you something, church. You need to let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. Life is short. And holding on, holding on to the past, and we've talked about it so many times. Holding on to the past uh, uh, refrains us from moving on to the future. And your unforgiveness towards somebody else probably does nothing towards that person. But it burns you day in and day out every time you think about that person. You know, there are people in school that I remember. Do you realize that after I got saved, there was people I, I searched and got a hold of to, to, to literally ask them to forgive me? And, and they even said, you know, a couple of them I talked to, they were like, what are you talking about? And I wanted to say, liar, liar, pants on fire. You, you know what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to tell you something. Words hurt just as much as rocks hurt. And they stay with us, doesn't it? It stays with us. Names that were called and things that are said about us, that stays with us. But let me tell you something. You've got to let it go. Get past it. You can move. You can no longer have a relationship with that person, but let me tell you something, if you don't forgive, it will eat you alive. You can't love and not forgive. You can't love and backbite and gossip. 
Don't tell me how much you love a, love a person that you talk about all the time. Don't tell me that you love a person that you talk about behind their back all the time. Let me tell you something. There's some, there's some of you in here. Let me tell you something. I appreciate you because if you got something to say to me, you say it to my face. Good, bad, or ugly. I don't like the ugly. I don't like the bad. But at least you ain't saying it behind my back. Backbiting and gossiping. Let me tell you something. It'll destroy church. It'll destroy relationships. I mean, it'll, it'll destroy a Christian. And you can't love and gossip. You can't love and backbite. You can't love and be jealous. You understand that? You can't love and be jealous. Coveting what other people have. Well, God's been better to him than he has been to me. You know how much nonsense that is? But we say it and think it. You can't love and hate. Better be careful of that word. I hate. Better be careful of that word. Only thing you should hate is sin. Only thing you should hate is Satan. Want to hate somebody? Hate Satan. Hate the devil. Hate sin. Don't hate people. And you can't love and cause division. It's a whole other sermon. But you can't love and cause division. Let me tell you something. It's at, it's at the top of God's, God's list of things that He doesn't like. Those that cause division. You know how we cause division? Hey. Come here. Did you hear about... Oh, yeah, you too. Come here. And guess what? That group... You know why we have First Baptists and Second Baptists and Third Baptists? Do you know why the South... Has so many churches? Because we get mad at each other. And the best thing to do when you get mad at each other is just start another church. Now, I'm not talking about every church that started is like that. I'm just telling you, a lot of them are. And we're causing division, 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 division. God doesn't like division. Not that kind of division. Now, praise the Lord, you get big enough where you have to have another church. Praise the Lord, you divide, and that's great. But when you're causing division, for, for one second, if you think God's not watching, you're mistaken. Because God sees it. And if you think for one second that you're going to get by with it, you're mistaken. Preacher might not know it. Other people might not know it. But I'm going to tell you something. You causing problems, God notices. And I've seen it time and time and time again. And God always, listen to me, if you are a child of God, He cares enough for you to chasten you. To correct you. Does He not? He ever done something you shouldn't have done? Well, I didn't, nothing happened to me. Well, then you need to get saved. Because I'm here to tell you, God loves you enough to correct you. God loves you enough to say, listen to me, what you're doing is not right. Let me tell you, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is to correct you and convict you. I can give you example after example after example. I remember after I first got saved. You've heard me tell you, some of you have heard me tell the story. I first got saved, me and Wendy were talking. 
I guess that's the stage before dating. I don't know what the whole thing is, but we were talking anyways and uh, on the phone. I, I can tell you this much, my phone bill said we were dating. But anyways, we were talking. And so um, I got a, I mean, just saved. I was in the military, my last year in the military, and uh, got off the phone with her, hung up the phone, got in the, got in the car with my buddies. We were going to, the, to watch the football game. Well, everybody have a big screen TV. I mean, you, nowadays, everybody has a big screen TV. So, so we're going to go to the sports bar on base to watch the game. Well, <laughs> needless to say, I've been to the sports bar a time or two, okay? So, but now I'm saved. Now, no, no, but I'm just going to go and not drink. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to watch the football game with my buddies. So I get in the car, and I get in the back, and it's one of the cars. Remember when they didn't have four doors, and you had to let the seat down, and you had to crawl in the back? You remember those cars? And so, and, and so I'm sitting in the back, and we get down the road a little bit. And, man, I'm telling you right now, it felt like I was in the ring with Mike Tyson. I, I'm just, just miserable. I don't even at this point even care about the football team. I mean, I don't care about my buddies. I'm just like, I said, stop the car. They keep driving. Stop. What is your problem, Springer? In the military, they call you by the night. What's your problem, Springer? Let me out. I got to get out. I'm like, I've never had a panic attack in my life, but I felt like I was having a panic attack. Let me tell you something. The conviction of the Holy Spirit was all over me. I got out of that car and I ran back to the phone and I talked to Wendy for, it cost me way more than what it would have been at the sports bar, but I talked to Wendy for hours on the telephone. And we talked about, I didn't even know what it was. But I knew it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit corrects us and guides us. And let me tell you something, He always guides us in truth. He doesn't guide us away from truth. So what does He guide us to? To forgive and to love and to have compassion, and to have joy. That's what He convicts us to do. And to stay away from hate, and unforgiveness, bitterness, ugliness, division. Do you get that? What a privilege. Do you realize that? Do you realize the privilege as a Christian to have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, guiding us in all truth? Open up your eyes, church. If we're going to have a good 2022, then it's going to be because as individuals we had a good 2022. What is this church made up of? It's made up of individuals. Individual Christians who have a desire to see other people saved, to see people discipled, to see people baptized, to to see people join the church, to get involved, to, to do what we can, to have a part. It's not all the preacher's job. It's God's people. God's got a place for you. Did you know that? God's got a place for you right here at Rankin Baptist Temple. What is your place? It's a question you need to ask. God, remember what Paul said? What would thou have me to do? What would thou have me to do? Find out what it is and get busy serving the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes eyes are closed. We need to get a vision and see what Jesus saw. It'll make all the difference in your life. It'll make all the difference in our church's life if we'll just open up our eyes and see. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's what the psalmist said. 
Open them up. Find out. See with crying eyes and see with compassionate eyes. See what Jesus saw and see how it will change your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you, God loves you. God's desire is that you be saved. Stop putting it off. Stop just shrugging your shoulders and get serious about God. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Please pray for me. Just slip your hand up and right back down this morning. I'll pray for you. I wouldn't embarrass you anyway. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about it, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Boy, what a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is to know that our sins are forgiven. What a blessing it is to know, church, listen, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I'm looking forward one day to spend eternity with God in heaven. What a privilege that is. But understand this, church, we ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. So we need to get busy. We need to take the opportunities. We need to open up our eyes and see. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Pray that simple prayer. Listen, pray that simple prayer. God, open my eyes. Help me to see what you want me to see. Help me to see what you want me to do. Help me to see where you want me to be. Oh, we do that. I'm telling you something. God will do something in your heart and your life. And when God does something in your heart and your life, guess what? You're not, you're too busy to worry about what everybody else is doing. Because you're worrying about what God wants you to do. If you need to come for whatever reason, this morning, as the piano plays, this morning you come.